Snap, we're back again for another live roundtable discussion today, tonight, whatever time it is that you're listening or watching this. We're going to discuss some casual commander. We're going to go into the nitty gritty of what casual commander really is and what it isn't. Um, this is all sparked by a tweet that I did, I think, early this morning as of this recording on December 1st, which 24 days away from Christmas. Woo. Um, talking about how these four cards, if you're calling this casual, you know, uh, if you're playing uh, these four cards and what you call casual EDH, you're doing it wrong. You're not playing casual. And that's Mana Crypt. Jeweled Lotus, Smothering Tithe, and Dockside Extortion is holy shit did this tweet blow up. So many, we'll just say, takes on it. So um, I've brought with me some people to get into this here. And we're going to discuss uh, Casual Commander here. And what is Casual Commander? Because this brought up like whole sorts of discussions here on what is casual and all that and let's just let's just get into it um yo zuby naming casual cards and i miss zuby's sincere apology to commander tryhards um that's right before we start i do have something i'd like to say all right let me do basic youtube apology let me look sad this podcast can be found on the following on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and Spotify. And you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, all at Magic Wazubi. And if you want to help support the show, you can check out my sponsors, CardsFear.com. I'm wearing my hoodie because it's still cold in Florida again. And Alter Sleeves, you want to spat, not spaz up, um, snaz up your your deck check out alter sleeves use coupon code magic and cardsphere.com for all your magic singles and sealed product boom we're gonna get into the round table here and all right hello hello yo all right all right all right right. yeah none of you are doing cameras so i'm not either we're just gonna keep it on here on just my face and um Yo, Mnemonic Tutor, welcome. Um, all right, so we've got with us um, Dougie Fresh, uh, the freshest of wet lettuce champions. Uh, say hi, Doug. Hey, what's up, everybody? Yeah, I'm uh, excited for that. We're keeping this extra casual. No cameras or nothing. No, only, only me. Only me. <laughs> um, we've also got Food Time Food. Hello, I am food and time. Now what's up? How's it going? Oh, thanks. Thanks again for joining, man. Um, and then we've got last but certainly not least, uh, Inu Snoozer. The great Inu Snoozer has arrived. Yes. Uh, if you, if he suddenly starts yelling and cursing, that's because you might be playing League of Legends at the same time. Uh, currently not. Friends, my friends, AFK. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Good. You, you want to watch out for um oh fuck what's that little squirrel's name Timo Timo you got to watch out for Timo <laughs> the literal the, devil yeah dude yeah I mean they made him a, a devil skin but anyways oh did they really his mm -hmm. oh yeah, looks, snap he he looks very creepy when he uh recalls and do, does other stuff it's very creepy oh dang 
Mm. Dang, that's awesome. See, I need to get on League again. Oh my <laughs> god, I've been itching so bad. But Final Fantasy fourteen. But we're not going to get into that because Food Time will get mad at me no, if I start no, talking no. about it. He'll just be like, Ugh, "I'm, I'm." No, nah, I'm joking. I'm joking, man. <laughs> um, but thank you for the follow, Mnemonic Tutor. Uh, don't forget the Get Fresh Crew. The Get Fresh Crew. Is it like Subway or something? Am I missing something? They get fresh. Yeah, I don't. I don't know why Baltan, why Food Time must hate fourteen so much. The Dougie Fresh and the Get Fresh Crew. Oh, Dougie Fresh. Oh, okay. Thank you for the <laughs> sub mnemonic tutor. Um, Dougie Fresh and. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. I, I'm down with the lingo with it. Um, so let's just let's just dive into it, uh, folks. All right, Casual Commander. I, I guess let's go around the table here and, and sort of get everybody's idea of what casual commander is, right? Because I feel like a lot there's a lot of people's definitions of it are very different. It varies. So it's, let's start with Doug. Uh, how to put this? I guess I would say that I consider myself probably one of the more casual commander players specifically at this uh, round table even though I'm pretty competitive with other formats to me casual commander is just uh, throwing together a deck with whatever you know random pile of cards you happen to have handy and uh, tend to, you know I mean most of the stuff I play it's just not really combo oriented or mm -hmm. Uh, you know, there's, I, I, not that I, like I was saying, I, I play some cards that are probably pretty powerful in, in, you know, in certain situations. Like I've got one of those jeweled lotuses I got from a random pack one time. So sure. I throw it in the deck, but it, it doesn't, uh, enable me to really ramp out anything special. I mean, usually I'm playing, I mean, except for when I play Omnath, I guess, but even then it doesn't ramp out Omnath. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, you know, it's just uh, to me, is yeah, casuals. Just you, you've got some cards, you throw them out, you play. There's nothing too, uh, I don't know, yeah, nothing too. I I don't necessarily. I know people use like the power level thing, like one to ten or whatever. Mm -hmm. But it, but if we're just saying like casual versus serious, to me, casual is the you know, I I I didn't go online and and find a what was that website that tells you all the cards people play in each commander oh, e or EDH rec. Yeah, yeah, I didn't use EDH rec. I just, you know, I, I I said, "Oh, cool. I've got this legendary card that I like and I'm going to throw a bunch of other cards in with it that you okay. know seem to have they can have synergy, but yeah, it's just uh okay. simple. Okay, so for you it's just more of a pile of cards that you just sort of have laying around since you don't take it because from what I understand, you only have like a few decks. You have what two decks, I think. Right. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't have a huge collection. I don't have a. You know, I don't have a like a big focus on on commander decks. I, I know some players. You know, they like to have you know twenty different decks, one for Food each time. color combination, all that, <laughs> which is totally cool. I don't, I don't have anything against it, but yeah, you know, when I go into a commander game, I, I usually go into it. Uh, not expecting to necessarily win um, I usually go into it just kind of 
hoping that I'll be ignored and not seen as a threat long enough to maybe like <laughs> I have that with some of my decks yeah uh, that's like most of my stuff because because I have I most of my decks don't have some kind of like big end game plan either you know it's not like a oh I'm gonna you know get these spells out and create a, a loop where I can you know recycle my spells every turn or play infinite tokens or yeah which okay. is I, those, that stuff's cool I, I think it's cool to see it happen in commander but i i don't know i guess i'm more like a i don't want to say necessarily a timmy commander but like just i tend to just be like well uh, i'm playing this you know legendary that says cascade so i'm just gonna play these other cards that say cascade and yeah hope something yeah. cool happens <laughs> all right food time what about you Okay, so I obviously have a lot of decks, and I wouldn't call myself necessarily a casual player, although I have casual decks. So uh, to me, a casual player is uh, I, one of my friends. Um, he, he doesn't play a lot of Magic, right? He's recently started getting into it, and he'll either have a pre-con deck, which is pretty casual, or he'll buy a box of whatever the latest set is, Brilliant Vampires. So he bought, I think, like a box and a, a collector's box of Crimson Vow. And he'll build a deck out of that with a commander and a bunch of the set mechanic and, you know, a soul ring and, and you know, your, your usual cards. And that's, he's pretty casual. He's not trying to infinite combo out. He's not trying to win on turn five or six, you know, yeah. he's just going to play the game, play the combat and attack. Um, and then there are friends I have that are one step above that. They're not competitive players, but they're like casual competitive where their decks are fairly tuned. They want to win, right? Their goal is to win the game and have their deck do their thing, but they're not you know, ramping with these really, really crazy cards like uh, uh, Ancient Tomb or, or Mana Crypt. Um, you know, they're not investing hundreds of dollars into the game to make their deck 1% better. Um, I feel like at a certain point, the the additions you make are only going to make your deck slightly better. Um, so there, there's, you know, pre-con or set mechanic or I just like this one thing, so I built my deck to do this one thing casual. And then there's casual competitive where you start to tune that deck up to a point where um, it wins more consistently or it does whatever you want the deck to do more consistently and then there's obviously competitive EDH where you're trying to like turn two turn three win the game with like a Thassa's Oracle combo or um, you know some other crazy ridiculous thing where you're just trying to pop off as quickly as possible. Okay you, you said something that has been a point of contention for a lot of people on Twitter which I, I want to I want to let's circle back to that because I want to get to Inu okay. here. Um, so Inu, w what about you? Uh, my groups, they've told me that uh, a casual deck is just your only win condition is just beating, beating face. It's just like send in mm -hmm. units, attack. That's about it. You know. So so like play, trying to play like StarCraft where you just select your whole army and just a move for anybody yeah. who plays StarCraft. You know. That's what uh, I've been told. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no micromanaging or anything like that. Um, okay. Okay, interesting. So so Food Time really touched on something there just now that it has been what I've been seeing a lot of. And and I think what a lot stirred this up in me was seeing that uh, previous uh, podcast episode of Professor and Kenobi um, talking about how Commander has changed in the past five to six years. And, and food time, uh, what you said was some casual competitive, right? And yes. then competitive EDH. And I feel like we're getting to a point now where that line is being blurred very much. Uh, uh, I, I would tend to disagree, but go on. Well, 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 well why disagree on that? I, I just want to so, hear it. 
so like a casual competitive deck right is something that's like um let me let me grab one of my like hundreds of decks as an example um, <laughs> <laughs> uh like i just built this tana and falthus deck right where the win condition is um have tana out she's got trample she makes one ones whenever she's damaged falthus gives it menace and death touch so my goal is to hit hit somebody make a bunch of tokens go wide and then win with like an overwhelming stampede or um like a crater hoof behemoth i don't have that in the deck currently but you know what i mean yeah so like my goal is to do the thing um i would say that's a casual competitive deck it knows what it wants to do it's really efficient at doing it but it's not a cdh deck where you're trying to win with like a thalsa's oracle or some broken two card combo that's just going to win you the game on the spot um it's not running um like a cdh deck again is is more in tune with what the other decks at the table are going to be doing so something like running um, like your mental missteps, your force of wills, your force negations to try to stop your opponents from doing their combos, right? Where it's a very interactive game, a lot of low CMC or free spells to try to interrupt the board and really interact and really just hit the ground as hard as you can. But then a, a casual competitive deck is I'm going to do this thing that my deck is going to do as efficiently as possible, but I'm not so worried about doing it very, very early, or I'm so worried about um, countering my opponent's spells because I know they're going to do it really early. So I think there's like there's definitely a point between there where it can get a little muddled where, um, you know, I've made this super competitive deck that won't maybe stand up to a Thassa Oracle combo deck, but it's better than all my friends' casual decks or even their casual competitive decks. And there's like a, there's like a thin line there somewhere. Yeah. It, uh, uh, you get... I got to ask a question here for you because yes. I have never even heard of an EDH deck playing Mental Misstep. And like I said, I'm probably the least informed on all this, but... It, when you play casual EDH, or not casual, competitive EDH, is it always just 1v1, or is it still a table of four? No, it's it still a table of four. It, it, it depends, like, if you're playing, like, tournament-wise. Some people do French, some people do Swiss, you know? Okay. Because so, I, yeah, I, I can't imagine playing stuff like Mental Misstep on a, a table of, of four, but I guess... Well, it, I, it I guess can matter. Everyone is... Yeah, if everyone's yeah. playing these super low to the ground decks, then I get it. But I just was amazed when you mentioned that. I was like, dang. Uh, I mean, it counters it. Soaring. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'll yeah, play. Soaring. Someone playing like um, Le Leovold, and you're like, no, no, Soaring. You're going too early. <laughs> no. It's just, uh, I mean, I remember, I, you know, I played EDH probably 10-ish, 10, 12 years ago, and I think it's still before it was even called Commander, and we had what you would probably call now the casual competitive decks that were those were the competitive decks back then and they were doing mm -hmm. you know it's like people that were playing uh mana flares to try to burn out every opponent for 40 and, and yeah. they had, you know there's stuff like that which it was very uh well tuned but they they still you know they didn't they tend and they would use combos and things like that but i, I never remember really like I even I, I had a was it Zur the Enchanter deck back in the day. That was the only oh, yeah. competitive type deck I ever had, and that was probably one of the lowest mana curve type decks that I'd ever you know played in that format. But and, and uh, Zur used to be scary too. <laughs> right, it, it, he's yeah. still scary. He is, yeah, he he scary. still is. But I mean, I feel like with all these pre cons and all these commanders coming out, he he's <laughs> nowhere near like the top of being yeah, scary. Yeah, it was me. a different world. I mean. Because they didn't print cards for Commander back then, that yeah. wasn't a thing. So it was just a, a very different. That's so when you were talking about the competitive decks versus the casual competitive, it it to me almost feels like that extra competitive tier was created maybe as a result of 
all of the specific cards that powered up the format, you know? <laughs> yeah, I think the most common CDH win condition, though, are cards that weren't made for Commander. It's Thassa's Oracle and... Um, uh, what's that card everybody combines with? The Demonic Consultation. Yeah, yeah, those are not made for Commander cards, but... That's true, yeah. Just happen with their competitive card. Yeah, um, Thassa's messed up win. a lot of formats. <laughs> yeah, and the then one you have I... cards like... Um, uh, mm. what's her name? The Najila, the five color warrior commander that just wins with an infinite combat step. So yeah. I mean, there's also that, but that that card also was made essentially for commander. It was gonna, uh, and that was battle, battle bond. Starts, battle bond. Battle bond, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, because I'm looking at the, some of the top commanders right now from EDH rec, and EDH rec doesn't really differ between competitive and casual and all mm -hmm. that stuff. But but even seeing some of this, it's just even looking at some of the top decks, like use Atraxa, for example, right? Um, I don't know if Atraxa is like really big in CEDH or anything, but I mean, I think a lot of us know who've played here know that Atraxa can not pro not the most casual commander, right? So, and I think what's hard is, is I still feel like there's a line that gets blurred, especially nowadays where everybody focuses more on optimizing where just like what Doug said beginning where it's it commander you really used to be just taking the draft chaff and the you know 50 cent rares that had no home anywhere else and make a deck and not that that's still it that happens still today but it just feels like not as much because yeah and yeah, it could also consider that a casual deck yeah, and it could also be due to a lot of the content creation now that surrounds Commander mm -hmm. and how, I mean, just look at all the Commander content creators who do all these deck techs on how to make the most bang for your buck and optimize with $50 or $100, stuff like that too. Yeah. So, And I say that having a track deck, she's powerful, but she isn't CEDH. Yeah, it, it's... Oh, fine. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I feel like, like I said, there's this whole conversation going on where casual is just being thrown out left and right when, you know, we tried to have the power level talk, especially that started in the beginning of the pandemic and all that, and that turned out to be not the greatest in the long run because what you and I may consider a power level of five may be something way different to someone else, you know? Um, mm -hmm. There's rule zero, which I think can fix a lot of stuff with play groups, but you're not going to have rule zero everywhere you go, though. Like, you go to an LGS and sit down to play, there could be a good chance, you know, rules... They're just going to be like, oh, well, I only have one deck I brought with me, and it's, a uh, you know, my Thassa's Oracle deck type thing so i i mean how, yeah. how do we how do we better define this here so i think rule zero is a bad name for what rule zero is and i think they should change it rule zero it, it's not really a rule it's more of a pre-game discussion that's really what it should be called other than just saying rule zero and a lot of people say rule zero is so i can use cards that are on the ban list or silver bordered cards like you know i can discuss doing that when it really should be you know, what is our intent for the game? What do you guys want to do? My, like, I have this deck that wins with Thousand's Oracle. I have this deck that wins through combat. I have this Voltron deck. I have this pre-con deck. I have this, like, 
uh, blood token deck that I created, right? Like here, here's my what I have. What do you guys have? You know, we'll figure out. We'll sit down. We'll have a discussion about what we're going to be doing in the game of Commander, and that doesn't always happen, and that's that's unfortunate. But it really should. It should be more encouraged. And I think changing the name from Rule Zero to like pregame discussion would help immensely because Rule Zero doesn't. Not everybody knows what that means. Just by the name. Right? Yeah, I, I mean pregame discussion. I mean, call it what you want. Um it's you know another thought that i had or at least some some stuff i've been seeing online too is is rule zero pregame discussion whatever you want to call it is that just trying to what's the way to put it nicely i guess have less feel bads in commander make sure everybody has a good time but if you want to play if all your decks have a certain strategy that no one likes at the table then you're being excluded at that point Okay, yeah, I feel that. I've had groups where we'll like someone will come to the table and lay and we'll like talk about what decks we want to play. Some people would say, I have this one deck that's really strong. I lost my point of thought already. God dang it. <laughs> come back to me, hold on. I oh, know, it's alright. Doug, any thoughts? I mean, I'll say that I've never really the the whole concept of the rule zero stuff i it's weird to me uh, in a little sense that it I, I get the format got so big that they decided they needed to have some kind of structure around it um i was used to just playing with it was pretty there was no ban list or anything yeah uh, you know we just played with with what we played with um yeah because it, it used to be like you go to an lgs and you say hey you want to play commander all right let's play you know yeah i mean we we had like a commander night but it was you know we yeah. played like our pods were huge i think we played with like everyone in one pod so oh, it was we, just nutty. we've done that before yeah <laughs> and it was you know it was fun but like and there was always like you kind of knew who the threats were like you know that part was just of, uh, as you attended more frequently it's like oh okay this guy always brings a really good deck or whatever so that played into the politics side of it but the i I mean, it kind of reminds me of when we played that game the other day, and I was playing, I think I had a Primeval Titan in my deck, and I just, I just threw it in. I was like, oh, yeah, this is a good card, you know? Not even thinking about the fact that there is a ban list. Oh, yeah, 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 <laughs> that's right, that's right. And it had no, like, particular, you know, it wasn't a combo element or anything. It was just, it it's was just a, a good, you know, good rampy creature. Yeah. Uh, and somebody was like, you can't play that, that's banned. It's like, oh, okay, well... Uh, yeah, was, I, I didn't really care that much, but it didn't... I, I can understand a little more when your deck is super synergistic. If you're saying, you know, if, if your deck is built around land destruction and you go to a table, they say, we don't play land destruction. It's like, well, my whole deck's worthless now. That's what its whole basis is. But for, like, little one-off cards, I feel like most of them, to me, it's like it should be... If you're... If you're trying to play casual and your deck hinges that much on one specific card, then you're not really playing casual anymore, you know? Yeah. And that's, I guess, I, I, I'm sure there's some corner case scenarios where that's not, where you could have a, like, oh, I play a very casual, I don't know, vampire deck, but it has some banned vampire for its general or something. You know, there's, those are out there, but. Yeah. I, 
for the most part, I think if somebody says like, we don't want to play with this specific card, I don't think that's a big deal. But when you start calling out specific like archetypes, then I can see where that creates potential feel bad situations. Okay. Anyone else? Um, I mean, I, I think archetypes have a little less to do with casual versus non-casual. Um, like, you know, if you're playing a stack stack, it, it, you could play a casual stack stack, but no one's going to be happy about it. And I, I think rule zero should be less about that and more, you know, what is the the intent behind your deck and what kind of game do we all collectively want to have, right? Like, maybe you only brought a stack stack and nobody wants to play against it. And it's like, well, that's all I brought. Do you guys have anything that can work with my stack stack? You know, do you guys bring anything or, um, you know, otherwise I'm going to be excluded. But if you're bringing a stack stack or a land destruction deck, you also have to understand most people aren't going to want to play against that, right? Like, it's it's just not a fun archetype to play against, and the point dare of you. commander is to have fun. Um, no, so. it's if I'm having fun, then that's okay. That, that's the point, <laughs> uh, right? <laughs> whenever I hear someone, they say they have, like, a really strong deck, or they have, like, a deck that, like, no one likes to play against, I always get the urge to see how well some of my decks do against them, to see mm-hmm. if I can beat them in some form of way. Usually Usually it doesn't really work, but I try, it's, and, and I usually have fun just trying. Yeah. So. See, I always thought that's kind of part of EDH is the the political side of oh we know this person's playing the busted deck we can kind of gang up on them if we want. That too. Most time uh, my friends will like gang up on me because they know they know I'm going to do some shenanigans that's going to mess up the entire game for them. They're like we need to get rid of them fast. <laughs> like but shenanigans. Are, are we focused too much on everybody's enjoyment in the pod and and not focused enough on just playing the game? Uh, I'd argue some people probably are. I, 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 and I, I feel a little bit conflicted on this one because when I stream EDH, I want to make sure it's fun and entertaining, right? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. if I'm playing off screen with my friends and buddies... I'm I'm a little bit more lax on I don't care if they do mass land destruction I don't care if it's you know they do infinite turns and they win type stuff. Right, I think the goal's different in different environments. You know, For when sure. you're just playing with buds and you got you know we're just hanging out having some beers playing cards. Who cares? Whatever you know, do your your silly stuff. You know, yeah. but then yeah, if if it's on stream, you want it to be entertained for the people watching. And then if you're at like a LGS, then you're in a, a much more super competitive mode. Well, for some people, I could say for others, they may be expecting, you know, it's like if that's their introduction to it, they, you know, yeah. they may be looking for almost the opposite. And I mean, I think some people go to an LGS hoping just to find other people to play with. So if you do get put in a really competitive pod right off the bat, it can all, you know, it can, it can make it hard to feel comfortable getting into the game further. Not yeah. always. Some people, it's like a drive, but for others, it's like, oh, I thought this would be like fun, but really, it's just me getting destroyed. <laughs> this is no fun at all. Oh my god! All right, so um, off topic here, uh, Baltan. I know you're watching. Um, fuck off, because I'm getting alerts in my Discord right now, and you're making me and Efren too. Fuck off. You guys are making me laugh way too fucking much right now. Um, you, you all don't see it, but I do. It's um, mm. oh my god, motherfuckers! 
<laughs> so, uh, sorry about that. Um, oh, fuck. Right. Fucking fucking casuals. Your original tweet that um, you called out four specific cards. Yeah, let, let's talk about it. In your original tweet. Yeah, yeah, let's, that's not a bad idea. So you pointed out what were the four cards? I know it was. They were Mana Crypt, Jeweled Lotus, Smothering Tithe, and Dockside. I, I mean, if I had a choice, I'd put way more cards in there, but Twitter only yeah. lets you do four choices. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, that's, that's a good baseline to start with, right? Like, yeah. Um, if you're running Dockside Extortionist, there there's almost no way you're not running some way to abuse it right yeah like yeah it's one of those cards that's really easy to abuse with very little work um but i mean if you're just playing it in your deck that just as my artifact deck i have those cards and throw it in there that doesn't necessarily make it competitive um it definitely is a very powerful card and probably shouldn't cost you mana that's a completely different discussion Um, well, it, if if there's no other, if there's not a lot of targets for, or not really targets, if there's not a lot of uh, things on the battlefield for Dockside, it's he's like useless. You know, it's like a two drop, and you get like two. It's like eh. But there's like twenty things on the field. Hell's yes, he's overpowered. In, in my experience, at least, right, it's pretty rare that a Dockside is only going to create two tokens. You've got three opponents. They're all playing at least a soul ring and probably some mana rocks and maybe like a, a random one or two yeah. artifacts that synergize with the deck. See, this Most right here tells me that you're deck. not casual. <laughs> I'm not casual, no. But, I mean, but, like, but pe my, people will consider ring. it casual, though. Well, I'm saying like yeah. the expectation that there's going to be all these mana rocks on the field. I they would even say come that... in the precon decks. Every yeah. precon deck comes with a soul ring and and uh, signets um, or whatever signet, yeah. commander oh, sphere. Or well, I guess I haven't got a precon, deck. but yeah, like, I don't. I I know those cards are very popular in the format, but I, I I guess when I think of like the closer to like the kitchen table casual style, to me a lot of those decks won't necessarily run that stuff. And I'm sure you're not likely to see a Doxa extortionist in that either. But yeah, it's it, to, I mean, I, I understand why it's a much more competitive card, and, and I get why it's used, but I just, I can see some tables, yeah, where it would have very little impact unless your deck was already built around it. Mm -hmm. And so what about the next card you want to talk about, Food Time? Uh, I just want to talk about, like, the original cards. Like, Smothering sure. Tithe, right, is... Um, I would argue it's a bit more casual than something like Dockside. Dockside's going to immediately, more than likely, in most situations, going to give you more value to pay for it. Uh, Smothering Tithe is a little slow. You need your opponents to draw cards and then to not pay the tax. Tax is a lot, um, but it's going to create you one treasure, generally for each of your opponents per turn. So one turn cycle is going to give you probably three treasures, unless you know your opponent's drawing a bunch of cards, in which case you're really just punishing them for drawing more cards than one per turn. Right, and that's that's not really a bad thing. That's, um, you know, someone who's drawing like 10, 20 cards in a turn, they're they're probably doing something that's going to end the game pretty soon. So you getting a bunch of treasure off that is kind of a a, a good counter or something like that. Um, yeah, yeah. I it th thinking back on it, it's um m maybe because I just have played against way too many wheels decks, and especially when Hull mm -hmm. Breacher was a thing, um, in EDH, that's why I picked it. it it's yeah. I I may have gone with the choice of Rhystic Study. Um, yeah, even Rhystic Study. It's or, a tax of one. 
but 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 it, it you're right but i mean we've all seen risk study go out of control yeah uh, i've played a lot of decks that yeah. happens all the time <laughs> um but yeah i'd argue that's probably a little casual even risk study i i think is honestly a fine card i mean it's a three minute enchantment that doesn't unless your opponents don't pay it like your opponents have the choice for that card to not Mm-hmm. Your opponents can effectively say that card doesn't do anything because I'll pay the X. So sometimes that card is a three mana literally do nothing except for attacks my opponent, which yeah, not like well, attacks of one, not that bad. If you're playing a whole full stacks deck, yeah, it becomes a problem. Um, but let's, there's let's talk one about... trend I've noticed though with talking about these cards, and I, I do think Smothering Tithe's not that intense, but you're talking about how the players can control it and it can be a do nothing card. But I've notice in particular with edh players i feel like they are often much more focused on doing their cool thing with their deck than they are about preventing opponents from doing the cool thing with their deck so i feel like a lot of times people will not pay the tax on these cards because it's you know it stops them from doing what they want to do yeah exactly like they 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 want to do their thing and so sure if you have a mana extra you'll pay it but but they'll never prioritize paying the tax or not never but very frequently they won't prioritize paying the tax (laughs) 100 percent correct on that because a lot of times you're just too focused on wanting like you said wanting to do your thing yep and 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 you want to increase their power a bit because of that mindset yeah yeah, because you don't want to, you don't want the feel bads, right? You don't want to cause feel bads. I don't even think it's feel bads. I think it's like a, a selfish thing more so. Like, it's the because I mean I don't think anyone, even if a player plays out a, a smothering tie, or a rustic study, if they never get a card or a treasure off of it, you know, it's like kind of annoying, but it's not the end of the world. But I think most people yeah. they're just so intent about like. Oh, I want to do my cool thing, and I, I I have my turns planned out for the next three turns, so I need to do this, this, and this. Yeah, and they aren't paying attention. Taxes don't fit into that, you know. That they aren't paying attention to the actual board state it's creating. Yeah. Or or the card advantage people are getting, or the mana advantage, because they're right. just so focused on the stuff. And, and I do that too sometimes, you know, especially yeah, when I don't. Bad. It's just yeah, it's, especially when I don't yeah. give a crap. But if I'm trying to focus on winning you know because i used to play a lot of competitive rel events back in the day you you get that mindset of like trying you know trying to stop your opponent from doing whatever they can do but you don't always think like that in commander though it's it's a mind shift especially if you're not playing the competitive edh i I will for me i always have contingencies just in case someone does mess up with my plan it's always like my kalia deck kalia deck so everyone's obviously going to mess with it it has so many uh contingencies just to make sure she doesn't die Mm -hmm. or she stays on the field or she gets back to the field in some way so there's it's more lean towards of i have a lot of counter spells in this deck that has no blue spells let's go oh so efren says never have contingencies my decks are all balls no brains <clears throat> i i have oh, yeah. seen the way you play efren I, I would agree is that efren's name from high school <laughs> <laughs> that's what they used to call him in high school 
all balls, no brains. Mm. But I've, I've seen where people play Kalia deck and they're they're like, I'm gonna just I, I swing turn two, kill this guy, he's gone. And everyone's like, we're turning to his person immediately because he's a threat. So I was just like, you know, I was like, I'm gonna just counter spell Kalia. I'm a a red a red elemental blast it instead. So no, <laughs> you're not doing that. Yeah. You know. Or I have a. Or I'll throw in like a red in one of my red decks. I throw in a what should we call the the wild the wild enchantment. Shoot, can't think of it now. It makes it where like every spell you play, you exile it until it, and you reveal from the top of your deck until you reveal a card that has the same type. I forgot what it's called. Enchantment. I know a card you're talking about. I don't remember the name either. Yeah. Yeah, I can't remember either. Um. Uh, w what about the the last two cards food time okay so you've got jeweled lotus uh, a card that can be casual but is probably leaning a little more into uh, again competitive or casual competitive right um it's it's gonna let you ramp out your commander faster and sometimes that's gonna that's gonna like win you right if, you, if you've got like uh, a command a, a strategy that requires your commander to win very quickly like like, like uh, turn one grand arbiter Turn one Great Arbiter, or like turn one, um, I'm thinking like Najila, because she can combo off oh, very, God, very quickly yes. off, a, off a turn one Lotus. <laughs> but if you're playing like an eight mana, nine mana commander, Jeweled Lotus is just helping you get out your commander faster. I don't think it makes it competitive. I think that's totally fine for a casual <laughs> deck. I mean, you're playing a nine mana commander. You're not competitive, right? How dare you? I Yes, how dare me? Yeah. I do dare. Yeah, like, what about Gishath? Like, if I want like turn two Gishath. I don't think Gishath's a competitive deck. I'd argue it's not really. I mean, you have to you have to attack tell, with it in order to do the thing. Tell that you to Baltan. That's ah, not a competitive deck. Oh, like Ooh. a CDH deck? It's a casual Oof. competitive deck. I'd argue. I wouldn't argue it's a CDH deck. He's not uh, winning it, that with that on like turn three or turn four. Yeah, I mean, I'm just BSing because, like I said, I don't even know the competitive EDH meta and all that. Like, is there even a website that even has? the competitive edh meta because that, that's another thing to bring up like how do you even determine what the meta is in cedh and, and just in edh in general um i i think with the advent of spell table we're seeing like i've seen way more types of decks more than i would just at my local lgs right because of spell table mm -hmm. um but before getting into that let's have you talk about the last card uh and that's mana crypt Yes. Uh, mana Crypt is a card I would probably used to be like, oh man, your your deck's so competitive for playing Mana Crypt. Now it's it's just a Soul Ring that costs zero mana and, and hurts you. I don't really care if people play Mana Crypt. I, I like watching people die to it. Um, but I, again, I wouldn't argue your deck is instantly competitive or instantly not casual just for throwing one card in there. I think it really depends on the intent with it. Are you going to make infinite mana with it very quickly? All right, you're probably competitive. Are you just throwing it in there because it's a, a card you pulled out of a pack and it's a good ramp spell? Fine, whatever. Yeah, and, and that and that's a lot of what I've been seeing with a lot of the comments where their it, it, intent does matter, and, and I agree with a lot of that. Intent does matter with what you're doing with these cards. Um, but now, I mean, yeah. isn't everyone's goal is to win? <laughs> no, not always. Not no. My goal is do the cool thing. I mean, it depends on the deck that I'm playing, right? Because like, if I'm playing my my Shadrix deck, 
my goal for that game is to make sure someone else wins and I'm and I'm in second place. <laughs> um, my goal for like my Grand Arbiter deck, yeah, that I'm gonna I want to win. I kind of like this one of the people that tweeted on your uh, original post about these cards. They said. I think there's a difference when you have a single soul ring in a 99 card deck versus a, or from four similar effect soul rings. The odds of a good opening hand increase, thus making it less casual. And that's what stands out to me with some the, the mana cards specifically. There's not so much that, I mean, you know, soul, soul ring's been around in Commander since like its inception pretty much. Yeah. And not that Mana Crypt was there too, but it just was a lot harder to get a copy of it. Um, but with the increased availability of those cards and the increased amount of them, and just the overall increased amount, like it, I, I feel like things like Soul Ring used to be like slightly more punishing um, because there was not as effective fixing. You had really good fixing potentially, but most people weren't playing, you know, full sets of dual lands and all that kind of stuff. And, you didn't have things like Command Tower or Arcane Signet or things like that. Those all really, like, to me, have made these other cards feel a lot less punishing, from what I can tell, at least. You know, it's, it's not as problematic to devote spots to colorless mana when you have all this other really, really strong fixing. Yeah, that's an interesting point, too. I think old version of casual and current version of casual are very different i think most people are pretty aware of edh rec and they can go on and they can find um you know better synergies for their decks and for their cards i think i think i'd argue most casual players are, are somewhat aware at least of edh rec if you, i mean if you go look up you know a commander you'll find edh rec if you're looking up commander content it's, it's just right it's very synonymous with the format now it's it's a very yeah very well-known website most people will point you at it too if you go to an just be like hey i'm building this deck someone will be like Oh, check out this website. It's really cool. It'll, it'll help you find cards for your deck. Um, in my experience, right? It's all antidotal. Um, but that's going to make casual players have like a good baseline to actually just build a deck that isn't just I just slap together a hundred cards at random. Like I've I've played with people who just recently had started getting into Commander and into Magic, and just I have I think it was like around Ixalan block, and they built a black white vampire deck out of just the draft chaff they had and i played against him and absolutely crushed him i was like oh i need to build a deck that is much more on that level right so, which i did and then you know as, as he started to play more and he started to get a bigger collection and started to understand commander more and you know he saw a lot more of the decks that we were playing at the table um and, you know he looked through our cards and stuff he's like oh okay i'm trying to understand kind of what i need here and he doesn't seek out videos or deck techs or i don't even think he uses edh track but he's he's much more aware now of um the typical like cadence of a command especially um uh he he again casual player really only does like pre-cons or, or builds decks doesn't really buy like singles right um but he's watched a lot of uh like game nights or um like i hate your deck and stuff and he's like all right now, now that i've seen a lot more commander in action I understand a bit more of like what the baseline of a commander deck is compared to what he was building for. Yeah, no, and and I feel like Doug brought up a good point, and I remember that was a big complaint about Soul Ring in the near when I first started playing EDH was it was a card that always had to belong in the ninety nine. Right now we have we have a lot more of those cards now that need to belong in the ninety nine. You know, Arcane Signet, Command Tower. Um, you know, whatever other 
signets um you know make sure you have x amount of ramp and stuff like that Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, and I also kind of remember Soaring was like a common card, but it wasn't it wasn't necessarily something that everyone owned because it, it was harder to find until they, you know, they put printed it to oblivion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do remember it was one of those cards that was like kind of cheap because it was banned and everything. And then as EDH picked up in popularity, you just saw the price creep up, creep up, creep up. And so it was not necessarily i mean it was kind of like considered a, a very powerful full card for edh but i don't i don't remember it being one that everyone owned unlike now where yeah it's it's yeah no that's very true everywhere yeah um so we've got a new person that just joined our little chat a mnemonic tutor um go ahead and give a little you know intro awesome can you hear me okay yep Awesome. So yeah, I'm Mnemonic Tutor. I've uh, been playing Magic since Alpha. Um, don't play much these days other than EDH, and even that hasn't been in over a year now because of COVID. But uh, prior to COVID, pretty much that's all I played was EDH. But I would be what I would consider myself. I, I said I would, I would consider an extreme casual, meaning the vast majority of my decks, maybe 99% of them, are just pre-cons or slightly modified um so i don't really do competitive or any of that stuff i'm more looking for fun uh and whether i win or not is just you know whatever happens happens okay nice nice and doug you said you needed to step out yeah i gotta call it a night here but i appreciate okay. getting to talk with you guys it's fun yeah enjoyed the conversation yeah for sure thank you doug thank you for stopping by yeah, I'll catch y'all later. Later, Dave. All right, bye, bye. Doug. All right, so Mnemonic Tutor, I, I want to hear some of your thoughts on what we've discussed, some of the cards we brought in, and you mentioned you had a lot of hot takes, too, and I'm always down for hot takes. Uh, on <laughs> hot, yeah, hot, hot takes is the right uh, uh, phrase, because I've, been, I've, been, I've actually been trying to get uh, a different format of Commander off the ground for a while now. Nothing important. It's not important what it is, but it's it, the point was to see if there was a way to kind of mitigate the impact of these older uh highly powered cards that are way too expensive for you know the average person to afford um and, and not even in just c cedh realm just in in general um and of course it has its drawbacks because the mana bases aren't going to be as fast or as robust and so that is a hot take and that a lot of commander players would never ever want to do something like that but i uh I've, I've always been one that wants to include as many people as i can uh at the table and of course anyone can come with a pre-con but uh some cards are just prohibitive uh for some people to get and uh, i would hope that they're you know one of two things either we can find a uh, find a like a hybrid format of commander that makes it easier in terms of accessibility or maybe wizards starts uh kind of upping the power level of the pre-cons be something more competitive uh maybe like a, a i say like a level five six deck not a not a cedh deck but maybe five to seven somewhere around there well, i feel like they've been doing that lately wizards has been making a lot more pre-cons better out of the box i mean some of the yes. the, the prosper one out of the D, D set was really good um the 
the Simic one from Strixhaven just out of the box is really good. Yeah, they've definitely nice. been doing a better job for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, and so the four cards you listed, I, you know, I kind of laughed cause I've obviously seen, uh, at least two of them on a regular basis. Um, mana crypt, I see a lot, uh, and also smothering tithe. I haven't seen a jeweled Lotus, but that's probably just because it came out or at least has been more common in recent time when I haven't really been playing. Um, then of course the the dockside extortionist i haven't really played against yet so but you know i think i'll echo what a lot of other people said uh there's a kind of two things i look at here one is intent right is this deck designed to stomp on people uh or is it more of a jank kind of you know yeah combos at some point off of four you know four combo pieces and it's going to take me forever to assemble it and you know there's plenty of interaction available along the way uh, to prevent it from going off but when it finally does it ends the game and you know we move on to the next one so um i jokingly mentioned golos in the in the chat earlier because <laughs> prior to that ban um it seemed like golos was becoming you know the the preacher slash commander version of um soul ring and that you know it, it was almost a must-have as your commander, unless you specifically wanted to play a, a, a counter Golo stack of some kind. So uh, that one I was kind of, I wouldn't say happy, just it wasn't a surprise that they uh, quote unquote ban that card. But <laughs> a banning of cards is another area where you get all the hot takes uh, with commander. So leave that one for another another time. But okay, I think I think I think uh, overall. You know the format's fairly healthy and again in these it's all I, you know i have to echo what someone else said it's all about intent for these four cards if this is just something you threw in there you're not designing your deck around as someone mentioned you know having four of a specific effect or something you're trying to do um where you're trying to have more conformity as opposed to variance I think they can be casual, just like you can have casual Baral decks, or you can have casual, mm -hmm. you know, decks of, of various other more powerful commanders. And then you can also have some super, you know, Omnath, I think is a great example. Someone mentioned Omnath earlier. Um, you can have some very cutthroat Om Omnath decks, and then some that are just hurtle around forever and then try to combo off at the very end with something. Yeah. So it's... Um, the format's healthy overall, right? But I, I would I would agree that if you're if your intent is to if if you're using these cards in a way to uh, make your deck so powerful that it's hard to interact with it or or stop it, and yeah, it's absolutely not casual. But um, I could see where someone has a smothering tithe in their casual deck, and it it's it's a one of effect tax, right? And it's just. Uh, they're really using it more for resourcing than for um, stacks or something like that. Mm -hmm. Okay, interesting. Uh, did you have something to say, food time? Um, so with intent, I think um, there, there's a lot to unpack there, right? Um, I I have a friend I play with constantly. I've been playing Magic with him since since we were children. And a lot of the decks he builds are not competitive. They're not super fast. They're not, you know, intended to win quickly. But they're mean. They're very mean. And um, I, I feel like some people will look at a mean deck, like a, a land destruction deck, and call that competitive, when really it's not. It's just he enjoys 
being mean in the game of Magic. And that's fine. Like, he's got a Torbrun deck that's just a lot of, oh, you played a card, take some damage. Oh, you played a land, take some damage, right? And that's annoying to play through. Or um, uh, like a Shattergang Brothers deck where he's just not going to let you have permanence on the battlefield ever at all at any point. Um, and the intent there is I, I just like being mean with this deck because for me, that's that's fun. I like being the villain. And um, I, I think a casual player will look at that and be like, oh, that deck's super competitive because I can't do anything. Uh, when really his intent is just, I like to be the villain. I like when everyone gangs up on me and I can I can be that player that, that everybody that, that everybody can essentially team up on, <laughs> right? So that they can have a good time. Cough, that, cough, blue intent. players. He doesn't play blue at all. <laughs> no, but I'm saying a lot yeah, of yeah, the yeah. villains in my group. Hey, this is a blue player. Get him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. You found out my secret. <laughs> so, um... Yeah, it's just there's there's a lot right to a commander deck as well. Um, so it's, so just, it's just a lot. So I, I got a question for the group here, and, and part of what also spurred this too, um, my tweet, and not only seeing that podcast between Professor and Pleasant Kenobi was there was a tweet that Kristen mm-hmm. Emily put out. Um, looks like yesterday. And she's a member of the CAG, the community advisory group for the rules committee. And she said, and, and this is where I, I kind of agree what she's saying here. Maybe casual EDH now is just turn six decks. Maybe we need to really push for a new definition that is not CEDH and also not whatever that is. Social is a term bandied around by many at this point. Is there a better one? Will this do enough to put a bandaid on rule zero? And, and I see where she's coming from with this because decks are getting a lot faster now even casual decks are getting faster now because of not just the pre-cons but so many cards getting printed for commander that what you like like i i take a look at my crewfix deck for instance i used to consider that my most powerful deck now it's to a point before i did upgrades to it that it was it was slow as hell um and now that there's just so many good commander cards being printed that help speed things up you know, is casual six turn format now? I I would argue against it. I would say casual is not a six turn format. I'd argue casual is probably somewhere like twelve plus, right? Like I've I've played some pretty casual games where those games have gone on for like three hours. It's oh, you know, oh yeah, you, you and I have been a part of those too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I you know those are casual games where you know we're not being super competitive. We're trying to win as fast as we can. But I've also played against people who are like, this isn't my strongest deck, right? It's not my like CDH deck, but. It'll win on turn six. And again, I think I would use the term casual competitive for that. Casual, casual competitive, and then competitive. I I, think casual competitive is a good kind of middle ground. And and I like what Kristen says here because I know she plays a lot of EDH, probably like, probably a lot more than a lot of us here. Um, And it's interesting because with her experience, she says like that's a lot of what she sees now is turn six decks and they called themselves casual you know uh, i, I want to hear some thoughts from inu and mnemonic too i would kind of agree with what food time or karen said there's a lot of uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh food said there, yeah there's a lot of uh i guess room for interpretation in these kind of uh, labels um you know i think i think to my back to my own experience playing you know edh for all these years and uh to the best of my recollection, I can't remember a game that ended super fast. Let's say, you know, turn three, turn five, four, five, six, whatever, um, where I actually enjoyed the game, whether I won or not. 
historically, the games that I remember being the most fun were the ones that lasted over an hour. The ones where we were playing Plane Chase Commander or something like that. So it's, um, you know, the, the, I get the urge to kind of end the game fast when it's one of those that people are just dirtling and not doing anything kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Um, but if there's a lot of interaction, a lot of combat, a lot of stuff happening, and it goes over an hour, that, that's an excellent game to me. And I would consider that, you know, pr probably more on the casual level than a turn six win deck. Yeah, the one other thing I want to just kind of mention, right, is you, you said she's part of the CAG. So they're probably playing more games with people who pay a lot of attention to magic. I play in my personal play group. I'm the only person that goes online and looks at spoilers uh, for the most part, right? I'm the only person that is really invested in into magic in a big way. Who's pretty obsessed people, with it, yeah. A little, d just a tad, yeah. Just you might slightly, say, like, slightly. 80, 80 decks is a little obsessed. Um, but I'll play with like my girlfriend or her sister or, you know, just some friends in real life that used to play a lot of magic, don't play as much anymore, invite them over for commander night. They come over, they hang out, they play. And they they are casual players. They hardly pay attention to magic unless I, I show them something or bring it up. They're not super into magic. And if you're a CAG member, I would imagine the people you are playing with are much more in tune with magic as a game and what's happening and all the recent sets and, and all the recent right. cards and what the optimizations actually are as compared to somebody who really doesn't pay attention to magic and it's just a game they play. Right, it's in enfranchised versus disenfranchised players. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I would that, agree with that. that that's a good I think point. there's also I think there, there's also a regional aspect to it. You know, if you uh were coming of age to play magic and you lived in certain a certain part of the country, say the west coast somewhere, your access to the game, the cards, especially older cards, um was a lot more than a lot of other areas so uh there's also a difference there in that that even the use even the player who's been playing for 25 years um some of them did not have access to the same card pools that were prevalent in other areas of the country so that that's the that also made, not to mention international uh, uh, that's a whole nother mess that, that, that makes a lot of good that, that's a really good point because i've said many times on my podcast before when i started in urza saga you know, there was no game shop or anything like that. I would only play with friends and we'd have to trade basic lands with each other because we could only find literal booster packs at a small comic shop. There was no intro decks, none of that in my town. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, we had sh uh, shops, but magic was not very popular. So I, I was born and raised in Texas. I'm, I'm now in California. Um, mm hmm. We had shops there, but they, you know, they didn't carry a lot of magic product, if if any. And I realized that early on it was very constrained the the supply. But um, I I distinctly remember a lot of the product I ordered or that I acquired early on, was stuff that I would order through mail order uh, stuff uh, in magazines in like Game Inform, not Game In is it was it? no it was Inquest and a couple others. Yeah, they would have like they would have like some what we would now you know consider like e-retailers although back then it, it was more of like you know send an order form filled out and a check for this amount and <laughs> yep i remember that we'll, we'll send you like two starter decks and uh and three or four boosters of whatever that's how i had to get stuff uh in texas at least for the first couple of years i think after magic kind of really became big a lot more of the store started stocking product yeah i was lucky when i was a kid uh my friend the same friend that plays the mean decks now 
his dad would go to like garage sales and yard sales and he would buy all the magic cards just in giant bulk and we got we got really lucky there was just a lot of just just cards that we just had access to we didn't know what any of them were we didn't know what was good what was like expensive we just just had all these cards and we just build decks we, we were lucky in that regard um oh, obviously yeah. I, I think i'm a little younger than most of you i'm um in my late 20s um so i didn't start playing magic until until i could read um which is essentially when i started um because i just i like the art and the cards and the, the fantasy aspect but are you trying um, to call us old bro a little bit. I think that's what's happening here. <laughs> well, but at, at least you don't have. Well, maybe you might. But I can tell you that from our my generation of of players, it, I cringe when I think back of the kind of cards we played without sleeves with. Oh yeah. Alpha and beta. I, I also think and, that. Yeah. Oh man. The I don't, I don't even want to remember those games now because of, of what we did to those cards. Uh, I mean, well, we, we we would go to school with them just wrapped in rubber bands. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, that dude, that, that that was the thing. It's um, it we're we're going in old man territory here. Um, <laughs> yeah, because because I mean, I I did the same during Urza Saga and all that. Like, I remember when I came back to Magic during um, because I left right after was it Nemesis or Odyssey came out? I can't remember. Um, and then I came back to the game when Ravnica and Kamigawa were out and just bought, bought a starter deck and started playing with no sleeves and my friend was like what are you doing why aren't you sleeves I'm like what do you mean I don't give a shit about the cards and just start bending them and um, yeah <laughs> yeah come to find out like oh shit a lot of those cards are worth money yeah that's what's crazy is it back then it was just paper yeah now it's paper with an implied value yeah, back when I like first started like getting cards was like in Yu-Gi-Oh back in like middle school. I'm 31, so that was like you know a good 18 years ago or whatever. And uh, I didn't know about sleeves or nothing. I was like, oh, I want to keep this card really nice. I'm gonna put scotch tape on it. <laughs> yeah. oh, man. Ooh. Like, Whoa, I don't know what those sleeves are. <laughs> Dingle. Like, yeah, the right that blue eyes, worthless. Yep, oh. that was those were the Ooh. days. Did not know anything about nothing. You know, now I like now I get a new pack. I buy like some penny sleeves, some uh, some dragon shields, and just start sleeving immediately. I I I buy a booster box and have sleeves ready to go just to start sleeving rares. Oh damn! Yeah. You know, it's yeah. true. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, th- I I started magic maybe like uh, pretty much just twelve years ago. Like that's that's an interesting way to say. Game just 12 years ago but of course the game is what 26 years old now i think or something like that really? somewhere around there i don't remember i was in i was in high school when it when i started playing it's, so. it's like about 30 years old now since it came out in like in the mid 90s what came out in what 94 94 yeah yeah so it's like and 25 I, years old yeah, when I, it, i'm pretty sure it's gonna I'm be pretty sure when 30 i when i got soon. my almost yeah in three years it'll be 30 years that's a long time fuck mm. and to think that um uh, Morrow has been part of it f- for almost that entire period. Not not all of it, but maybe all, but like maybe one, two, or, or two years. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's a long time to do anything. Yeah. yeah. So, so Inu, I wanted to hear your thoughts on uh, the whole turn six casual EDH. I mean, it depends. Like, you can go turn... S- it depends on what you're doing. You know, like you said, like intent and, as well. Um, I've seen like turn six be like, 
it really just he just hit you really hard. That's about it, mostly. <laughs> okay. Um, but like I don't know, most of like I see casual. Like I said, is just you just you're just hit smacking them in the face with cards. That's all you're really doing. That's all I see most casual decks. Um, because a lot of time I have people who are playing competitively, and it's like, oh, I'm just win on turn two. Like, oh, so I get to do nothing. Okay. I want to throw another hot take in here. Sure. Um, I would say that another good differentiator between casual and uncasual is if you are not, again, this is a hot take. If you are not engaging in creature combat uh, and your your deck is nothing but spells trying to combo, that is not a casual deck. I, I disagree a little bit. Um, well, I, yeah, I, I mean, there's there's exceptions for sure, but I, yeah, yeah. yeah, I would say in general, right? Uh, I mean, maybe. I mean, I've got decks that are no creatures in them at all, but that's part of the, the deck-building constraint that I put on myself. And I, I'm not trying to combat. out. I'm just trying to sling a bunch of spells with, like, a Nivisit Commander and draw a bunch of cards. Like, it's, that's all I care about. I'm, oh, oh your mono-red, um, shit, what's her name? Um, that's got a couple creatures. But yeah, my intent is not to hit with people with creatures, but I, yeah. honestly, I might turn that into a CDH deck because it's so damn fast. Every time I play it, I feel bad because I take one really long turn, and I'm like, oh, I just won. Oops. Yeah, I have a, a Loki deck that I'm running. Uh, not really Loki. What's his name? Uh, Tibble. The the Tibble Kaldheim uh, Planeswalker. Where it's like, it's, it itself is casual because it's like it's just land fetch, fetching for land and and, and uh, artifacts. The whole point of it is to play your deck, and that's it. So it's nice. as competitive as as competitive as your deck is. <laughs> See, that can be fun. Yep, it's like sand triplets in a it's, different it's, way. Yeah, it's <laughs> completely casual because if you're playing casual deck, I'm playing casual deck. If you're playing competitive deck, I'm playing competitive deck. Well, it, and, and the, I, yeah, go on. I was going to say it, it also, you know, I think intent is one of the themes that we've kind of been harping on here. And I think another one is just um, efficiency of your deck, right? Like, mm. or, or optimization is maybe a better word. Like, you know, I, I, I think of uh, back in Theros era when perforos came out the, the mono red perforos mm-hmm. um yes you could absolutely have a cutthroat perforos deck that just was totally optimized optimized to not actually hit anybody with a creature just you know burn them out um but there was also you know a lot a lot of people were just putting together bills where they were getting random cards that would you know create creatures and it maybe trying to win that way uh i think the level of optimization also matters here and there's there's definitely you know, I, I've heard takes both ways, especially on Magic Twitter, of, um, you know, the the leveling of the decks. Like, is your deck, a, you know, a tier or level one, level two, or you know, or maybe yeah, or, or the power, power level, level, yeah, power level. Um, and and obviously that's very subjective, right? Uh, but I think it's one of those where I think what dictates the the power level at the end of the day, assuming you have, you know, a, a, a pretty stout commander you can work with. Is the optimization of that deck if you've optimized to kind of uh, hedge against variance in a commander deck you're in a competitive area you're not in casual anymore and, and that's where it comes and i wanted to bring up tutors on that too because that's also another card that you know rides that fine line of casual and competitive um the the other thing just like we mentioned before with how much commanders changed just in the past five, six years. Now that wizards is printing more stuff for commander, it makes it easier to optimize your decks now because 
there's these cards meant for commander so and, and this is where still the question becomes like just really how blurred are the lines between casual and competitive getting right i mean obviously we can have some fine lines like you know thassa oracle combo that's cedh like no question about it if your whole goal is just to do that then that's competitive edh you know to do it as quickly as you can um but you know say on the other hand you have a kenrith deck and you've tried to optimize it as best you can is that considered competitive edh or like what what is considerate you know uh depends on what you mean by optimize right uh are you optimizing to winning as quickly as possible or finding the thing you want to do with the codec as quickly as possible yeah so, and and that's where intent comes right because we yeah. keep going back to that and yeah even with tutors i think intent matters like there are, yeah. are decks i have where i use my tutors to find answers to problems and then there's decks mm -hmm. i have where i use tutors to find my win condition as quickly as possible so right. that one's a little bit more competitive the one where i'm looking for answers is a little more casual because it's like that guy just he just spit out like 300 creatures i need to find a sweep right now let me go tutor Exactly. And I would say in, in, in all of my decks, the only time I use tutors is for that reason too. Someone has uh, done something egregious at the table and uh, board needs a reset of some kind, right? That's mm -hmm. really what I have them for. Um, I usually don't run a lot of targeted removal. A lot of times I just run nothing but uh, board wipes for that reason. Um, just to kind of reset uh, because you know so, it, you know we talked about some of these more powerful cards that the twitter post that um started this chat uh there are others right that are not on there that uh, if if they show up in just the right order in the right deck could uh, even in a non-competitive deck could uh, completely put the rest of the table on the defense yeah yeah Nate, you're 100 percent right um and like I said, I, I don't know if I have anything much else to say with this topic because like intent matters with it. Um, anyone else yeah. get any other takes on it, Inu or anything? Like pretty much, honestly, it's just really the intent on what you're going to do with that deck. You know, how much? You know, if you're just doing shenanigans, you're pretty fairly casual, but you might be competitive casual. But if you're, you know, trying to win every game as, as quickly and as fast as possible, you're you're com you're competitive. That's that deck is just straight competitive. It, it, is the problem with Commander that there's really no set meta? Probably, because Probably. It, it, it's really easy for when you look at other formats like Standard, Modern, Pioneer, Legacy. You, you can easily look at a myriad of websites and see what the meta is and see what is competitive sure you can build a homebrew deck that can def you know beat the meta in those formats but with, with commander by knowing the meta. yeah, yeah, with, yeah with, i think the only place a meta exists is in competitive eda straight up CDH. Yes, I was gonna that's say where there is a meta right? but but right? Where, meta, where can you go look up that meta though that's i don't think there's a good resource for that right now i think you I mean, just have to talk to other competitive edh players so like Thassa Oracle combo tends to be the one I see the most that people mm -hmm. discuss. I've seen uh, at least one list where the win condition is actually just combat damage, which is great. I love to see that. Um, I think the other um, common win condition is either infinite turns or um, um, like infinite combat stuff, something like that with like Najila, right? Um, but um, where's I going with this? I was going somewhere with this, but I forgot. 
<laughs> meta. That's a competitive that's a EDH point, meta. Yes, yes, the meta. Um, so the old meta, right, used to be Flash into Protein Hulk into game-winning combo. Yep. But then they banned Flash because it was so such a big part of the meta that there was really nothing better than that. And I remember, oh man, this was a couple years ago when they they put made one v one commander on Magic Online, and they had a different ban list than the regular commander ban list. And Emrakul was not banned, so the best deck oh, to play was damn. Brawl Polymorph. That was just oh, I do remember that. Yes, Polymorph. Yes. Yeah, with nothing but counter spells. I remember and, that. Interaction. Yeah, and like that that was the meta, right? And then that doesn't really work in a four-player game, I think. In a format where you where you have three total opponents, the meta is is much harder to define because there's so much variance in 100-card singles and deck. There's variance in the players you're playing with, their skill level, their threat assessment level, um, the cards that are being played in whatever order they're being played. The, the variance is just so much higher, it's hard to have a defined meta for, for just straight-up. Yeah, that's true, because the, 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 car, the card pool... I mean, theoretically, the the card pool for selection is the same, but it's not, right? Like the meta uh, shrinks that that card pool significantly. Mm -hmm. um, there's a group I'm part of on Facebook that is uh, uh, just EDH in general here in in the Bay Area, uh, but there's a subgroup uh, of of those that are just CEDH, and that's where you'll find out what the meta is because it's uh, people building all these various decks. Like you, you know, I remember when it was. Uh, protein hulk and then I, and then for a while it was like yesan and a couple of others and i don't know what it is now because i don't play cedh but you know being part of these groups just kind of listening to people talking about playing you know building these decks and playing them over and over um what the meta would look like and and the meta does shift there too because i know that you know, there was a point in time when the meta was more around uh just trying to win as fast as you can without interaction of any kind then that shifted to where you know there was you were hedging interaction to, to prevent someone else from uh, comboing off so um i guess it evolves too just like as the card pool evolves probably the meta evolves uh significantly yeah that makes sense i mean before thos's mm -hmm. oracle it was live man thos's oracle's just better most of the time yeah yeah and cdh really isn't my thing i just I, I lurk in those I lurk in those areas just just to listen to what people are talking about and what they're doing and and it's more I think to so that I don't play those type of things right those type of combos are because uh, they're very oppressive um one of the things that ha has always I'm say bothered me but I've not been a big fan of in EDH has been stacks um it's just never really sat right with me and I realize it's a valid play style and there are valid decks there and everything I'm not saying you know otherwise it's just one of the you know it's you mentioned earlier that you know you you have a friend who likes to be mean um and to me it's like the the, the barometer of edh for me is is it fun or unfun stacks is not fun um even even when someone let me borrow their stacks deck and i played it to me it still wasn't fun it was just uh oppressive and i didn't like that america i mean what yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> as long as i'm lost. having fun that's all that matters all that matters right if i'm having fun you're having fun because that's all i'm doing serve today <laughs> that's right the beatings will continue until morale improves oh would uh, he, would uh, heliod walking ballista be a cedh combo now too um it, it can be it, yeah it, i've 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 seen a list for it is it harder people... to pull off in an edh compared to 
say when people do it in modern or pioneer it's harder mm. to pull off in mono white because you don't have as much interaction if, yeah if 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 you if you if you can make each of your decks for whatever color they are to be able like he said be efficient or optimize to get through to get through your cards faster get the right uh, sequences and whatnot then it can be super competitive you know but if it's like, oh, I have this card and I can't do anything now, it's like, eh, he's kind of useless. Yeah, one one other thing I want to maybe kind of point out, right, towards the, the setting of versus casual is, uh, Zuby, you mentioned earlier, like, a wheel deck, right? Yeah. Um, my girlfriend has a wheel deck, but I would argue that it's a pretty casual wheel deck. It's a, it's a cast, so you can cast spells from your graveyards. And all she really wants to do is wheel every single turn if possible. That's it. Um, there isn't, like, a... a is this Nekasar or being. something, or...? Uh, no, it's Kess. So it's, oh, oh, uh, Kess. Yeah, yeah, you said that. You said that. Sorry. Yeah, you can cast in this resource from your graveyard. So you basically can double up on all your wheels, and if you pitch a wheel, you can cast a wheel. Um, she just wants to wheel. She just wants to draw cards and discard mm -hmm. cards for things like um, that enchantment that, that cares about you discarding cards. Um, but there's no Narset. There's no Hole Breacher if that was still legal. Like, there's nothing that makes it miserable to play against other than you have to constantly keep discarding your hand. She, she um, wants it where everyone lose by drawing their deck out, pretty much. So she has Thassa's Oracle in that deck, but it's not a Thassa Oracle combo deck, right? Mm -hmm. So, because um, I, I know we've, we've talked about Thassa's Oracle a lot, especially, you know, in, in regards to CDH, but it's not a competitive deck, even though it has Thassa's Oracle, if that makes sense. So it kind of goes back to, like, the first list of, if you're playing these cards and you call them casual, you're wrong. Essentially, that's what you said. Um in more in less words or, or, or more words but um like that you, you kind of see what i'm getting at here is is one single card doesn't turn your deck from being casual or competitive it's the combination of cards the intent behind them and kind of like what you're there, there's a lot more behind it than just an individual card making that decision for how and your optimization your level on that deck yeah, too. It's, yeah. it's fairly much just the intent pretty much really mm-hmm yeah, I think intent drives it all, right? Because you, you, pretty much without without intent, you're not going to have the level of optimization that becomes problematic, right? So the the intent is where it starts, um, but the follow through is in you know the optimization and the uh, kind of the level of oppressiveness or just effectiveness of a deck at, at a table. Right. And this is one thing that I think has been talked about several times on um, the Command Cast uh, on their you know video podcast that. Um, you know, they're always talking about trying to uh, have this discussion before the before you sit, sit down at a new play group or just a, a new table in general. That rule zero. Right, about where the power level sits for various decks. But even in that instance, that is subjective to individuals, right? If you're a, CD, a CEDH player, a casual competitive deck, as we've kind of branded them in this, in this stream, um, would be weak. And so you would come to the table saying, yeah, this is like a two, maybe a three for that table it's a five or a six right so um it is really hard without it being a regular play group to to kind of have matching assessments of what power levels are um yeah and i can't i you know i've tried to, i've thought about this many times and i just can't figure it out you know how can we put together uh, like a cheat sheet or some kind of guidelines that that people can go by to talk about power level with people who are not part of their normal play group and i just I have no solution for it. It's just something that's difficult to do. Well, and, and that's what we were talking about earlier on in the in the podcast, where when that power level sheet did come out, you know, from Channel Fireball and then from Command Cast and 
um, whoever else, I, I think there may have been one more floating where that's sort of been skewed a whole lot too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I mean, it, it, it's even hard to say even precons now fall in the precon level of of um you know deck power level because not all pre- especially this year there's some precons that I would say no they're too strong for precon level. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. if you remember the four color commanders, right? You had Brea and um, uh, Atraxa. Yeah, Brea Edgar. and um, no, there, there Ed, Ed, Edgar was three, oh, but no, there was um, there were uh, a couple others. Ge- Gear right? no, not Gear it, um, the the uh, the Cascade one on combat damage. <laughs> yeah, Atraxa. Yeah. Atraxa. Oh my God, what, what are the other two? Oh 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 <laughs> the 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 Theros the Theros one. The, the married couple, Tira, 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 and Kira. Yeah, I, I always yeah, mess up that name really. Yeah, bad. I always mess up the name too. Yeah, so it was, was like two. Idris. It Idris. was. That's right. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Atraxa and Atraxa, Brea and and uh, the 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 couple. I can't, again, I always miss the the, name. the the other uh, two. K K and T K and T. Um, there you go. K and T. Melitus, Melitus, whatever. Yes, yes. Saskia. Uh, so, yeah, so like in that meta even, right, two of those four decks were much more powerful than the other two. Yeah. Right, And they're all precons, right? But if you had a Traxo or you had Brea, now Brea, I think, in its stock it form was a, a lot less busted than a Traxo was. Um, but, you know, with reasonable optimization, Brea could become incredibly powerful. Uh, especially in like a you know a casual meta, not not CDH or anything. Yeah. So yeah, even within even you know obviously you know to your point, comparing precons across the years is hard because there were very you know, there there's a massive difference in power level across all those years. But even within the same year and the same set, there were uh, varying power levels. So um, like another one that comes to mind is the uh, the five color dragon deck. Um, oh, the Ur Dragon. Uh, yeah, the Ur Dragon or Scion of the Ur Dragon, which whatever, I can't remember who the commander was in that deck. Uh, uh, the Ur Dragon. Ur Dragon. Yeah. That was another one where, you know, in theory, that was an incredibly powerful deck, but the mana base was uh, pathetic on it. So, but again, with, with just a mana base update to speed it up, that deck could become very powerful, in, again, in a casual, you know, uh, meta. So, uh, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of areas yeah. where it's just. You know, and that was the same big dis- big discrepancies. The same year they put out the Edgar Markov deck and that deck out of the box, of oh, just banger. Yes, <laughs> I, I, that's one of my favorite. Oh, e- decks, e- but... Even Kess out of the box was really good. Um, mm-hmm. sh- sh- all those yeah. decks were good. I mean, you you could make an argument that the Cat one, I, I think, was probably the weakest, but few upgrades. The, the Cat one was weak. <clears throat> if but the the other commander in that deck was a lot better. The um. The one uh, Nazan, he was a lot yeah, better. Yeah, the he hammer one. That, yeah, is that the Zerg commander? Or mm-hmm. that's the uh, Sel- uh, Selesnian. Okay, yeah, yeah. The Selesnian one, one had the the hammer. Yeah, there yeah was the Nazan was way stronger. I remember. But if if you if you change that deck by adding one card to it, and like if you want to keep it themed <clears> to uh, cats and whatnot for um, Arub, is you get that uh, there's one cat that has infect. And you just play him, and you're like, I'm just infect everyone to death. No. Then it just no then it becomes competitive. It's poor yeah. cats. 
Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it was like a double strike infect cat that hit for like mm. one. So he's like, oh, he's now hitting for five double strike. And it's like, well, he's dead. My cats would never poison me. So no, it's infect. Yeah. I think to this day, my favorite precon of all of them is Marin. Marin, Marin, Marin was really good out of the box. Marin and Izix were really yeah, good yeah, out of the box. It, yeah, but Marin just like, yeah, out of the box, just so much value out of that. Now, granted, you had to grind for it, right? It was a late game deck, but yeah, yeah. But man, was it you know, it was just fun to play. Um, so yeah, I, I oh, Lost Leonin, is that the is that the card you were talking about, Inu? Probably. Yeah. Uh, uh, Food Time just put it in the MTG general chat. Yeah, I run that one of my decks. Yeah, it's just here you go. Yeah, I haven't opened any. Like I have the two precons from the most recent set and the two from the one before. I haven't opened them yet. I haven't played them, obviously, but um, I'm looking forward to the day when I get to to play them. Yeah, because Will had Will had the the zombie one from Midnight Hunt just out of the box. That one's really good. You could make some quick and easy cheap upgrades and make it a pretty good zombie tribal deck. Yeah, I switched. So my original zombie deck was Grimgrand, and then he swapped towards uh, uh, Jisa and Graf. And all uh -huh. I did was just change commanders, and then I just then I, I now just put in Lilhead for him instead. Yeah, Grimgrand. I had a friend with a Grimgrand deck, and that thing was pretty brutal. Yeah, <laughs> I loved it. Yeah, he's still Grimgren. in the deck. I just moved him around. Yeah, yeah, he's one of the ninety-nine. Yeah, it, it was a great deck. I, you know it. Mm -hmm. I, I love to watch it play. I just didn't like playing against it. <laughs> right. Yeah. You're like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Rooftop Storm, when it happened, was just uh, ridiculous. Hey, look, free card. Hey, look, more free cards. Oh, that's, that's why I like G-Sling Graph, because it basically said, like, every turn I had a free grave recursion card. It's like, yeah, free. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, those were the days. Uh, Zuby, I got to jump off. Uh, well, not and, and this is a gr great way to to end it too because we're over an hour and a half here, and awesome. uh, I, I feel like we're wrapped up. We got a lot of good talking points in. Um, just want to thank everybody for coming on, and especially thank you again, Doug. He had to jump off early. Um, let's go around the table real quick and just do some outros, uh, and then we will go raid someone. Uh, food time starting with you. Yeah, uh, I do a podcast, mtgrbd.podbean.com. It's Rather Be Drafting. We talk about the magic news for the week. We're on a bit of a hiatus right now. Uh, expect some stuff there soon. I want to do something pretty cool. but I'd rather uh, be drafting yeah. right now. So I Dude, all the time. Um, <laughs> and then uh, check out my YouTube. It's youtube.com slash foodtimefoodtime because just utup.com slash foodtime apparently is not allowed. It's too generic. Um, so go there. I, I'm actually going to start streaming here uh, in the next week or two um nice some stuff so it should be fun nice uh inu uh i have my brain just died on me uh I was, that's gr a great hat for having me uh i yeah, don't do much coming on again i don't do much but play uh uh league of legends and warcraft but you can find me on on youtube or twitter on uh inu snoozer t and that's all i got nice and uh mnemonic yeah, so um, Mnemonic Tutor on all the socials. Um, it's pretty well branded everywhere. Uh, I don't do much right now. I used to stream. I used to I upload regularly to YouTube. I even started a podcast at one point, just didn't have time to keep up with it. Um, mainly all this happened because our daughter was born at the very beginning of the pandemic, and it just kind of oh. 
<laughs> well, yeah. congrats though. Appreciate it. Yes. And, uh, and so I, I, I've been kind of on a hiatus just because that's how it is when you have small children. Um, but, uh, I do intend on coming back soon. So, so, you know, youtube.com uh, slash mnemonic tutor, if y'all want to follow me there or, or on Twitter or Instagram, um, I post all kinds of weird stuff, uh, from time to time. So, um, and, and one thing I'll kind of put out there is, uh, you know, I, I'm definitely one of those people that likes to have a very diverse audience and interact with a, a, a diverse bunch of people. So, um, just, you know, keep that in mind, right? The, the, uh, my content or my socials are mainly for kind of advancing different gaming things or whatever, and not for, um, the typical use of social media, which is, uh, bagging on people. Okay. Okay. Nice. Well, thank you all again for coming by and thank you all for listening and watching. If you're listening to the podcast of this, uh, thank you again. And, um, we're going to go raid. Who can we go raid here? Send some love. We will send some love to Tappy Toe Claws. Looks like oh. she is playing some commander right now. So we're going to go awesome. send the raid there. Uh, give give her love from us um hope you all have a good night and we will see you later i'm just gonna wave until the raid is over and catch it later all right sounds great awesome thanks zuby